Hello. Welcome to Science Factual. Prepare yourself for factual download. Sequence commencing. It's a celebration. I just got mail from the cells. I'm making twist up with big L. Tell the neighbors we the new big party. Don't stop it. Rage is profit. Boss it game. Feel me? I've been killing the pain. Filling the frame with a feeling that's a feeling that's strange. Venom is rage. Getting into this. Get on the page. Scribbling games. So my nigga shit. Feelings and aim. Oh yeah, saddle up folks for this week's episode, that pun will make sense in just a few more minutes, because we're taking a dive into a more recent film, Sorry to Bother You. If you haven't heard of it, don't worry, neither had I before today's guest Lee H. Tillman suggested it to me a couple of weeks ago. But as of now, you have no excuse, because it's at this point, early, early on in the morning dew of this episode, that I have to issue a rather stern... Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Since this film is relatively new, having been released about four years ago, I feel it necessary to issue that early on in this episode, because even if you pause this right now and read the synopsis provided by IMDb, who in the last episode provided some questionable search results regarding the cast of this movie, but you'll have to listen to last week's episode for that snafu. Uh, At any rate, when you hear the synopsis and then see the movie, you've likely got a what the actual fuck in your near future. Here's what IMDb lists the synopsis as. In an alternate present-day version of Oakland, telemarketer Cassius Green discovers a magical key to professional success, propelling him into a universe of greed. At the end of the day, this synopsis certainly doesn't give anything away, especially the whole Equisapien thing, but we'll get to that in just a few minutes. Okay, here's more like the actual synopsis. In an alternate reality of present-day Oakland, California, telemarketer Cassius Green finds himself in a macabre universe after he discovers a magical key that leads to material glory. As Green's career begins to take off, his friends and co-workers organize a protest against corporate oppression. Cassius soon falls under the spell of Steve Lift, a cocaine-snorting CEO who offers him a salary beyond his wildest dreams. Little does Cassius know that he has fallen subject to, along with many others, to the genetic experience of a life cult called Worry-Free, run by Steve Lift. As he tries to divulge the true nature of Worry-Free through a series of social humiliations, he and other Equisapiens rise up against their corporate overlords. The film challenges the efficacy of capitalism, questions wealth distribution, and offers art as a form of activism against the status quo. It pulls from the sci-fi and horror genres in heaping handfuls while maintaining its measure as one of the funniest, most poignant, and visually stunning films of 2018. Okay, let's get into some facts behind the film. But since I'm not nearly as sadistic as Steve Lift, I'll actually let you in on what an equisapien is. Those of you who are into horses will likely find the equiprefix as that associated with the world of equestrianism, or equestrian riding, relating to all things horses. Put that together with sapiens, that's us, and you get none other than horse people. But how do we get there? And what is said along the way? It isn't until later in the film that you come to this realization, so let's get into some facts behind the film cast and uh, start with a little bit behind the director, Boots Riley. 
Boots was the founding member of The Coup, an alternative hip-hop group that provided the soundtrack for the film, as well as the opening track that you heard for this episode. Sorry to Bother You was Riley's directorial debut and so far his only mainstream film project. Riley and I actually share something in common. We were both involved in telemarketing sales. The only difference is that he had to adopt a white voice where I have mine already built in. Boots Riley wrote the first draft of the screenplay in 2012 but had no means of financing the movie at that time, leading him to produce a coup album of the same title inspired by the story. While many have analyzed the film under the connotative light of America under the Donald Trump administration, uh, it was released 18 months into Trump's tenure, Boots Riley swears that he wrote the first version of the script while Barack Obama was president and wanted to tackle the idea of, quote, the puppet masters behind the puppets, far more than denouncing one or more presidents relative to others. This did lead to some eerie coincidences where Riley had to remove certain lines to avoid making the film look like a flat-out Trump critique, including, quote, worry-free is making America great again. Likely a comment on what uh, Trump and his family would think of as when America was great again, uh, when there was a workable slave labor force, a theme that is prevalent throughout the entire film. The cast is made up of some heavy hitters from television and movies alike, such as Lakeith Stanfield. Uh, he's from Atlanta with uh, Donald Glover. We then have Tessa Thompson, Terry Crews, Danny Glover, Stephen Yun, Army Hammer, Forrest Whitaker, Rosario Dawson, David Cross, Lily James, Patton Oswald, and Amari Hardwick, to name a few. I love that David Cross and Patton Oswald provided the white voices. It took me a while to realize who it was. And after watching again, I think they were casted just about perfectly. Much of the artwork in the film was designed by Oakland-based artist J. Otto Siebold, perhaps best known for his work with They Might Be Giants and illustrating the book that eventually became Olive, the other reindeer. I've taken a cursory look at the artwork from those two aforementioned pieces, and it's true. If you want a unique artistic experience, check out not only Sorry to Bother You, but basically anything Siebold has been involved in. During the bar scene when Danny Glover's character is asked why he isn't dancing, he responds with the Too old for this shit line made famous from his role as Roger Murtaugh in the Lethal Weapon movie franchise. Uh, speaking of movies, this one had 60 scenes that were shot in only 28 days, uh, which is like a blistering pace if you think about how movies are shot. Boots Riley was the lead vocalist for the hip-hop group The Coup, he made the album Sorry to Bother You in 2012, which he then used in the movie, meaning he effectively made the soundtrack seven years before the film. The title of the song you heard during the show's opening is Oh Hate. That's spelled O-Y-A-H-Y-T-T. We mentioned Rosario Dawson as a cast member. She's the voice of the elevator that you hear at Worry Free Headquarters. When Steve List snorts the cocaine at the beginning of the party, when listening to the scene through headphones, the audio travels the direction he snorts in, one of the many audiovisual effects that makes this movie a total head trip. The Equisapiens were achieved mostly through practical effects. The suit and animatronic headpieces were designed and built by Amalgamated Dynamics, ADI, also known for building suits for Alien and Predator movies. In a 2018 Thrillist interview, Boots Riley said that although there were multiple headpieces, hair patches, and tattoos to differentiate the different Equisapiens, there was actually only one suit for all of them. 
puppeteers operated the headpieces, including one operator, just for the eyes. During the scene between Cassius Green and Steve Lift in Lift's office, all of the paintings hanging behind Lift's desk are reproductions of classic equestrian portraits, pictures of horses. Also, the plate that Steve presents to Cassius has a picture of a horse on it named Mr. Bobo. Bobo in the Filipino language means stupid, which Cash most certainly was to take a line of unknown substance on the word of someone willing to turn you into a horse person. But this act speaks to the blindness people experience regarding the well-being of themselves or others when faced with the potential to attain higher social status. This is the second production to involve Lakeith Stanfield in a show that contains a horse hybrid, the first being the cartoon series BoJack Horseman, which I highly recommend and is an awesome show that stars Will Arnett. Definitely worth the watch. There's a lot of talk about power caller Hal Jameson throughout the film. I, I did a little bit of research into this Hal Jameson character, and this is what I came up with. The number one hit is an obituary entry regarding the death of a Dr. John Hal Jameson. Dr. John Hal Jameson, 93, formerly of North B Street, husband of the late Sue McCall Jameson, passed away Wednesday, March 16, 2011, at Foothills Retirement Community. Born May 1917, he was a lifelong resident of his home on North B Street. A descendant of pioneer families of Pickens, Greenville, and Anderson counties, he was a son of the late Dr. Leo Lake and Nettie Ellison Jameson. Dr. Jameson was a 1934 graduate of Easley High School, a 1938 graduate of Clemson College, and a 1941 graduate of the Medical University of South Carolina. He served his internship at Greenville General Hospital. Along with Dr. J.A. White, he founded the Easley Medical Center, retiring after more than 40 years. A lifelong oldest memory of Easley First United Methodist Church, he served as steward and was a member of the Finance Committee. Okay, you know what? This is all in good fun, but I, I'm pretty sure this isn't the Hal Jameson that was the power caller that everybody aspires to be. What I can say is that the concept of Hal Jameson is something that every telemarketing caller aspires to. Uh, the rejection rate is so high, uh, you know, and... They always say in sales, a no is as good as a yes. You know, you, you can strike it off your list and, and move on to the next sales potential. But God, there is nothing that rips more than a no, uh, especially when somebody just has the power to hang up on the other side. I mean, for all they know, I could be selling the cure to cancer. I, I wasn't. Up next, we have an interview with Lee H. Tillman, Portland comedian and low-key fellow nerd before his recent set at the Cruise Room Annex, which is a great venue in Northeast Portland on Alberta. We also have a clip of his set, so make sure you stick around for that as well. Enjoy. Folks, I'm, I'm here at the Cruise Room Annex? Is it the is it the is just, it's the just the stage? Room. Is the annex? I don't I don't know the difference between this. Okay. I don't know. Maybe well, just the stage is the annex. Th those of you unfamiliar with the voice other than my own, that's Lee H. Tillman. What does the H stand for, Lee? H stands for Herman. 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 Yeah. Okay. Is that it's H E R M A N N? M O N. M O N. My 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 grandfather's name is Herman. I think my parents thought it sounded too much like an old man, so they changed the A to an O and Herman. pronounced it Herman. Okay. My father's name is Herman, oh. and he is now an old man, <laughs> and it very much suits him because he's, uh, he's an old uh, Dutch fellow who's retired to the southern coast of Spain. 
Alright, that sounds... So. <laughs> sounds on brand. Could it, definitely <laughs> on brand, yeah, for sure, Z's. Um, so, Lee, what's it, before we get started, let's get all the stuff out of the way. What's, right. what's your Instagram? My Instagram is Free Tillman, F-R-E-E-T-I-L-L-M-A-N. Awesome. Uh, that's, a, that's a great, that's better than mine. Um, <laughs> listeners, I'm sure, have already heard it. It's nothing special. We're going to move on from that. <laughs> all right. So we're here to talk about Sorry to Bother You, which you actually introduced me to. I was unfamiliar with it beforehand. I said, hey, let's do Science Factual. You were like, yeah, how about this? And I looked at it, and you know, at, at any synopsis you read, yeah. any imagery you see when you look it up, yeah. it does not give away the plot. Yeah. yeah. Which is one of, I, I think that is like a, such a great collective uh, you know, drive, I, I feel like as a fan base, to be like, all right, we want people to genuinely experience mm-hmm. this. Because typically when you think of any sort of science fiction, like arc that's well known, or even a recent one, you can kind of guess and or have access to what the general synopsis is, yeah, even yeah. over a franchise yeah. base. This was totally out of the blue. And I wanted to ask you, because, like, before you were like, is this science fiction? Yes, yeah. Because, like, if you've never heard, I I completely understand, if you've never heard of it, you're like, this doesn't look science fiction at all. And then you said you watched the trailer and you said you were in. So I'm asking, like, what what in the trailer made you Just the the comedy aspect, for sure. So, like, you know, uh, Steve Yeun, uh, you know, I've I've seen him in a number of things, like... um, I know okra is the wrong name, but what is the one with the genetic pig? Oh, Oksha? I forget. Yeah, I think that's I how feel you like pronounce it's Oksha. it. And, and then, of course, I saw him in uh, Walking Dead. Of course, yeah. Um, which, you know, zombies, it's hard to classify as science fiction. Mm. It ha- Like, you know, would you put Frankenstein as a science fiction? Maybe, yeah. maybe not. Well, yeah, I mean, because Some no, no one has... one of the first levels of science fiction. I'd say it is. I mean, why wouldn't it be? It is. It is dealing it, you with are electricity, re- reanimating. Okay, yeah, fair enough. So, okay, but but Frankenstein in and of itself stands alone from zombieism insofar mm-hmm. as that it's like a virus or a genetic mutation. Which, to be honest, as I say it, you know, <laughs> is science fiction. Because yeah. if we're talking about, sorry to bother you, yeah. the Equisapiens yeah. is a genetic modification. Yeah. We'll get to them in a minute, yeah. though. Okay. So, so, but, but again, like, so what in the, did you say you saw the trailer? So what about it? What, like, did you see something that was science fiction? Recognizable faces, Uh nothing actually that was science fiction Uh outside of the, uh, the visual representation. Mm -hmm. So like the cinematography, Mm -hmm. the transitions, things like that, kind of like, you know, for instance, his first call, he drops down into this scenario. Like, like that kind of visual stuff has always been striking to me, especially since movies like Eternal Sunshine of Mind, you know, like that kind of like fly on the wall perspective uh, that you can use with cinematography and like yeah. you know editing that it that has yeah. become prolific in our you know viewership. Coming would, of would you consider you know, that science fiction? Eternal Sunshine? No, the 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 dropping down into like calling someone and then dropping down into their no their no, house. no no no. What I what I was getting at is that that's what drew me in. You know, uh, to want to watch the movie. Okay, all right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But okay. it wasn't until I watched the movie that I discovered that it was very science fiction. Yeah, yeah. In its exactly. in its okay. nature, and you know, that's kind of what I was getting at. Like, you know, reading synopses or looking at you know stills or uh, promo for the video, you would never think that there was this underlying thing. Like, they don't mention worry free. Yeah. 
they don't mention all of these kind of yeah. like you know cultish things and uh, you know where the white voice comes from yeah. you know how he's able to harness it uh, shout out I, I said Donald Glover to my wife earlier it's Danny Glover <laughs> yeah. uh, but <laughs> you know it's um, it, it was a ride yeah. man. like it would I haven't watched a lot of recent science fiction if mm-hmm. you will outside of like let's say Interstellar mm-hmm. or uh, I unfortunately spent the money and time on Gravity <laughs> terrible film but this this takes another look at like you know the concept of alternate reality yeah and how would one operate in that alternate reality because you know it, when you're when you're framed with Cassius's character it's that, you know, he's a run-of-the-mill guy who's maybe, you know, not grown up in the best of circumstances, a little bit down on his luck, perhaps, you know, or most certainly depressed. I mean, like, I, I am in, in my job and just kind of like, okay, I just, like, work to survive instead of to live. Yeah. And, and, and I think that's a theme that, you know, speaks yeah. to a lot of people and also the unionization arc mm-hmm. as well, you know, insofar as, like, you know, okay, like, he he's in touch with... Uh, Detroit, uh, you know, Tessa Thompson's character, and you know, he's he garnishes a friendship with Steve Young's character as well, uh, Squeeze, and and, and and like you know, you, you see he's participating in the initial stages of revolt, but at the end of the day, like if you're offered something that it is so over the top that you can persist beyond this like constant role of entropy that we all exist in in our like state our yeah, current yeah. capitalist state you know, and I say that because I, I think there are a lot of socioeconomic statements being made a lot oh, of racial statements being made a lot of <laughs> yeah. class statements like like there's a lot being yeah. said in this yeah. movie you know and that's that's why I was like you know because that brings me to one of my questions which is are you a serial watcher like how many times have you seen it because I've only seen it the once uh-huh. I am I'm not the type of person to watch movies over and over okay I think that has to do with the fact like I didn't watch a lot of movies as a kid most of the movies that I watch I watch like in my like I really really got into film in my 20s and so most of the stuff I watch like as an adult I don't have a lot of like memories like I don't have a lot of nostalgia for movies from my, my childhood okay so I don't watch movies. I'm the exact opposite. I, I look at a lot of milestones in my life in regards to um, uh, movies that I've watched. You know, like the first pair of movies that I ever saw was in Porky's. Okay. You know, like I interviewed Kyle Adams last week, the, who just walked by. Mm. He, he, the, the first movie he saw movies in was Titanic, so like he associates okay. Titanic. But my point <laughs> being is like I have a strong connection with movies and pop culture perhaps that's the driving force behind this podcast mm-hmm. in and of itself but you know like I'm a serial watcher mm-hmm. so I'm definitely going to be watching Sorry to Bother You yeah, Again absolutely well and, it is a movie you should watch yeah this is this is only the second time I've seen it I saw it in the theater and then I just watched it recently yeah from what I saw that was a pretty limited release as it were yeah I think so so. Uh, so like like it didn't run and, and this is so often the case with what become cult classics mm-hmm. which I think this has the potential to become you know like people look at the Royal Tenenbaums as like you know oh they, they really push the line of cinematography and how things mm-hmm. can be done uh, you know I, I think this does that to a degree mm-hmm. insofar as like you know the, the 
the flow and the uh, implications visually that you mm-hmm. see in different scenes. There's actually two, like you've mentioned two things that are, um, there's references to. One is the eternal sunshine. Mm-hmm. There, there is a connection. And also Don, uh, Donald Glover, there is a connection there too. I don't know if you want to talk about it right now. But we can. Yeah. Let's talk about it. So one, uh, well, just quick, uh, Donald Glover was originally supposed to play Cassius. Mm. He... Um, that's the Atlanta, that's an Atlanta connection yeah, yeah, yeah. too, which I, then, lo- I love that series. And he didn't have series. the time because he was filming Han, the Han Solo movie. Mm, sure, sure. Yeah, so he recommended Lakeith Stanfield. Stanfield, and that's how yeah. that's how he got the part. So Donald almost played the cash part, and he does it really well. Yeah. And I would say that's also a jumping off point to uh, the harder they fall. Mm. I, have you have you seen? I that haven't so? seen that yet. But it's, oh, it's, it's good. Like as yeah. far as westerns go, because I'm not a huge western guy. Yeah. Like I've seen the old spaghetti westerns. I've yeah. seen the classics, like yeah. the good, the bad, the ugly. You know, like, I've seen all the John Wayne stuff. But mm. like like this takes such a new, fresh look. It, it's Django level mm. uh, perspective. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's, it, it, I have I, a love hate relationship with. Uh, I think there are maybe with, with Django and, and, okay, and but but there, what I what I get well, I guess Tarantino what I'm getting at is general, like, yeah. sure Tarantino in general, <laughs> yes but there are a handful of white characters I mm. guess is what I'm getting at you know like it's mm. it's certainly not white centric film mm. and, and that's something that I picked up with this as well you know like there are a lot of racial under and overtones mm. you know like Tessa Thompson's character is like this you know like pro Africa no matter what situation mm. kind of character there are you know, like uh, this the CEO um, remind me of his name. Uh, Army Hammer. Well, Army Hammer is who played him. Yeah, uh, but um, his his name in the movie or yes, Lift Steve Lift. Steve Lift. Yeah. yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, like he plays this um, hyper frat boy. I want to say, you know what I mean? Mm, like yeah. cocaine driven mm. hyper capitalist mm. who is like. Yeah, I'm going to use my influence and status to make something that, even though on the surface may seem perverse, is totally okay in my mm-hmm. mind. And since it's okay in my mind, I'm going to enact it on mm-hmm. the people, willing or unwilling. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to create a cult-like scenario where people can relate and come in and say, okay, I give myself up to you because you seem to have everything in order. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, we've seen presidents elected mm-hmm. that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we've There's seen plenty of CEOs right now. CEOs, <laughs> cult leaders. Yeah. I mean, you know, Jonestown yeah. didn't exist out of nowhere. Yeah, you yeah, know yeah. what I mean? Like, so it, I, there are so many things that this movie touches on. That's why I say, like, I have to see it again. Mm-hmm. Um, so, well, another thing, um, uh, Eternal Sunshine. Mm. The director of that movie is Michelle Gondry. The, are you familiar with Michelle Gondry? Uh, he's French, Michelle. <laughs> Um, and um, he started out directing music videos. So he directed uh, the Daft Punk Around the World video, mm-hmm. the um, Fell in Love with a Girl, um, the White Stripes sure. video, the, the Lego video, the famous Lego video. If you ever saw that, he directed that. Uh, he does a lot of stuff that is, um, he does a lot of special effects, but it's practical special effects. And that's there's meaningful, a, not Michael Bay style. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It's like it all it all looks like it's handmade. Like a lot of stuff looks like it's handmade. Okay. Um, and one of the one of the scenes in the movie, which one of my favorite scenes, is where it's kind of like a montage where he's going from going from being poor to being rich, basically. So is they're laying in the bed, him and his girlfriend laying in bed, 
in this old apartment in the garage or whatever and then it kind of transforms into this big huge and that scene that montage is a very Michelle Gondry like thing and when I first saw that I was like wow this looks just like his type of stuff and then I started reading about it and that was directly like he he's a big the director who we probably should talk about in a minute but he was really influenced by that and that's why the movie looks like that because he was really influenced by that and also um, the animated part of where he shows him about where Steve Lift is showing him the animated um, the I don't know the monkeys or whatever that are they're turned that he's turning into um, right the, the claymation yeah, the, the, part the stop yeah. motion yeah the right. stop motion stuff yeah that is which is hypersexual in so far as yeah. like you know. <laughs> so so tell tell me about Boots Riley because this was his okay this yeah. was his intro mm-hmm. film right I, mm-hmm. I mean I, I'm certain that he's been involved in other oh yeah well you know, he's he's uh, a legendary uh, rapper from the Bay Area okay he's in a group called the Coup which C-O-U-P which uh, I mean that should tell you everything you need to know <laughs> sure yeah it says a lot for sure and, and the uh, film itself yeah. is set in Oakland yeah. and, the, and yeah. the Bay Area yeah, yeah for sure so if um, uh, I was going to say it, yeah so he's one of the, if you don't know that about him one of the things that's probably the most famous about him is that in 2001 on September 11th he released an album called I think it was called Party Music excellent and the, and the album cover is him standing in front of the Twin Towers pushing a red button. Obviously, it's not connected because there's no way but that he could have foresight, thought of that. What, what kind of foresight has to be involved with that? I mean, because... I mean, he know, I mean, Lee, I did not bring my tinfoil hat for this episode. <laughs> I, name, thought, I thought we were going to talk about The name about of the group up. is The Coup. <laughs> it's not... Like, he's very... Like, he's... I mean, if you watch this movie, he's not... You know that infers high-level involvement <laughs> in multiple institutions that involve our government at the highest mm-hmm. levels. All right. So, yeah. So, that's 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 Boots Brown. So, <laughs> let me ask you this. <laughs> Good God. Uh, what character do you identify with the most in life? Uh, probably uh, Tessa Thompson's character. Mm. Uh, she's probably the most torn in the movie. Like she's everybody is in this movie is kind of I don't want to say good or bad, but they're kind of like one thing from the beginning to the end. Like I mean, they obviously, stay in their lane, yeah. yeah. They I mean, Cash is obviously he changes perspective, yeah, but he's more or less the same person from the beginning to end. She is a little more torn. She's kind of like in the middle because she does. I mean, she she is an artist. She does want to make money, as as you can see from her art gallery that that show that she made. Mm. I mean, if you whether you notice it or not, she is using a white voice in that. Like there was there was the, a her fake British voice. voice her yeah, her British, British voice. voice yeah. yeah, her gallery so, voice. Is so what I like so to think she was that. using yeah. that. So that's totally. kind of a yep. reference to her just trying to like you know, I don't know show off for the rich people to get them to buy stuff. To capitalize. Yeah, capitalize. Yeah. So she is like kind of living like between those two worlds. She wants to be an artist, but she also wants to make money. And she's just, and she's torn between loving Cassius and... Sure. And, and part of the script writing, like I was, I was reading a couple of articles and, and you know, threads about the movie and, you know, they're saying, okay, well, you know, how can we have someone who can jump from camp to camp to camp to camp to camp. You know, and that's what you see in Cassius's arc. That's what you see in, in Detroit's arc. 
However, you see in in, in uh, Squeeze's art, he's he's fairly consistent throughout mm-hmm. it, and so is um, uh, uh, Jermaine Fowler. Jermaine. I forget yeah. his name. I do too. In the movie, <laughs> I do too. I, I wrote it down. Salvador, maybe it is Salvador. Salvador, good for you. Yeah. yeah. And that's see, and this is why I'm a serial watcher. <laughs> I, I like to watch the movie multiple times because yeah. I pick up on things that I don't necessarily pick up on the first yeah. time. A lot of it has to do with ADD. A lot of it has to do with ADD. A lot of it has to do with you know uh, my whiteness, it, 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 especially in a movie like this because mm-hmm. it, it comes from so many different racial and class-based perspectives mm-hmm. that you know you can view the movie in mm-hmm. a dozen different ways. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and that's why I ask, like you know which character do you relate to and why because mm-hmm. there are so many different you know like flavors that are put into the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what is your favorite scene? Um, it probably is that montage scene that I was talking about, just because like visually, it's just it's, I think it's stunning. It's yeah, one of the, it's very it's, striking. It's, it's one of my favorite scenes mm. uh, in the movie. Just yeah, it's, I think it's beautiful. Yeah, and and, and you know I, I would love to uh, see what the producers of the movie, you know, and the special effects artists have worked yeah. on otherwise, yeah. because I'd like to see. You know, we mentioned Eternal mm-hmm. Sunshine. Yeah. You know, thoughts are are. I would be shocked to learn that there wasn't any crossover between this and Nolan's uh, Inception. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, insofar as the visual effects mm-hmm. and transitions and just the cinematography yeah. in general. Um, I would say my favorite line from the movie. Yeah, which, what, is, what is it? Um, it is. It is after um, Cassius kind of like has this come to Jesus moment. Where he realizes um, he, he tries to go on TV and tell people about you know everything multiple times. He yeah, goes on TV. he's like doing a whole yeah, you know, and also like the the, the special the, the the special effects of him. Can you curse on here? Can you can I curse on here or no? I I would love for you to curse okay. on here. Okay, so when he's covered in shit, yeah, that is like one like visually that's that's one of those like where's that suit? That suit is somewhere. <laughs> like someone has it. It's it's amazing. Hopefully they burn that shit. <laughs> Even if it was just it's, pudding. It's going. It, it's 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 amazing. Like the the special effects on that. Like it, yeah. it looked like it was a lot of work. But uh, it is the moment after that when he's like talking with Salvador and Squeeze and Squeeze in the, in the restaurant. Yeah, in the and restaurant. Just like we're good. You know. Like, yeah, yeah. How can we continue and, and to Squeeze, stick it? Yeah. And Squeeze says. Um, the re- the reason why like Cash went on TV and he tries to tell everything and no one's listening and then Squeeze says if you show someone a problem but no one has an idea how to um, how to control it then they just get used to the problem mm. and that's like the realest thing like that's the reason why like you can show uh, you know certain people certain things and they're like no that's, that's well desensitization just, yeah, the twenty four hour news cycle certainly contributes mm-hmm. to that. I think that's what that statement was mm-hmm. about, that he was going on every platform he possibly could mm-hmm. in order to expose yeah. the Equisapian yeah. conspiracy. You, you just kind of like see it and you just throw your hands like, what am I supposed what, to what do? What can I do? It's <laughs> yeah, so exactly. big. And, you know, yeah. I, I was saying certain presidencies, like, this is why, you know, Trump got elected. Mm-hmm. People were like, there's such a big question. Who has the answer? And he's like... I know the best people. Mm-hmm. I've got the answer. Trust mm-hmm. in me. And people are like, okay, I'll give it up to mm-hmm. you. You know, that, that's kind of mm-hmm. what it seems like. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, especially in, like, corporatocracy mm-hmm. that this film addresses is like, okay, like, I will literally sell my soul in order to succeed, in order to even get that white picket fence that we're guaranteed mm-hmm. as Americans, you know, chasing 
the pursuit of happiness mm. you know like all it, no matter what we do you know like you have to literally sell your soul to become a power caller mm. and further sell other people out mm. yeah in order to persist within that newfound attained level of societal status mm. i mean it it, it 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 is like lifting the veil for someone mm. like me where i like i i already hate society mm. so far as like its structure and what mm. it does to people and yeah the necessary cogs that are required like I live by the tenet that there is no uh, ethical consumption in capitalism, mm. and that's why I drink as much as I do for as cheap as I can in mm. order to try to thwart the system, but also intrinsically f <laughs> exploit my fellow workers. <laughs> so there is no escaping. Yeah. yeah. And, and I guess that's what it gets to. It's yeah. like okay, like you know, you'll believe the lie. Oh, it was just pure Peruvian, but then you wake up two days later and you're a fucking Equisapien. Mm. Mm -hmm. And like you're forced then, after all of your stalls, out of all of your fucking, uh, you know, capitulations, mm -hmm. that I still am going to get fucked by the system. And at that point is when I'll do it. Mm -hmm. it, it, it. It begs to ask the question, and this is Steve Young's character, at what point will you say, fuck the system I'm in, collectively we can overthrow? Mm -hmm. Exactly. It speaks to me in a, in a number of ways. Yeah. And it's, it's a very well thought out mm -hmm. film. I think that the dialogue and even the, you know, the way the characters interact with each other on mm -hmm. a, just a physical level, mm -hmm. you know, you can tell certain social cues are shifting between characters and it's mm -hmm. like, yeah, you know, wow. Like, you know, it, this is one of those movies that reflects within itself mm -hmm. for certain. And I thank you for, for bringing it to my attention. I, I would not have known it. I owe my stepmother three ninety nine. <laughs> all right, all right. This is how invested I am. <laughs> I owe her three ninety nine on Amazon Prime. I will give it to her the next time I see her. This is uh, it's on recording. It's on recording, so I have to do it. So I don't, I don't think I, I don't think I actually asked this question. I, I skipped over it a little bit. But uh, would you willingly become an Equisapien? Absolutely not. No. I don't know. Like, if someone was to say yes, I don't know who that person is. Like, that that's a person I don't think I could be Let me paint with. the picture of this person. <laughs> they drive a lifted F650. <laughs> I don't even know if such a truck exists. <laughs> but it's lifted. Mm. And it gets 8% miles to the gallon. This well, is, you, it, you know what? Well, it, Steve Lift's pitch was that you get to have a horse cop. That's right. His, that's his. That was yes. his pitch, basically. <laughs> yeah, he's he's busy snorting the wrong shit because mm -hmm. obviously there's a there's a want there. Mm -hmm. There's a there's a there's a desire intrinsic in. It, it's funny because it, he calls it you know pure, pure Peruvian, which mm -hmm. it, Peru is undoubtedly a, a vast source of cocaine, mm -hmm. but uh, there's uh, you know like. The the I, I forget what they're called, not Sherpas, but the, you know the, the guys who go the guides, the, the guides mm -hmm. in the, with the donkeys. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what they're called either. There's a there's a I don't I, you know for someone who has studied Spanish <laughs> in school and in two Spanish speaking countries, I should know, but the closest I can come to is a burro. Mm -hmm. However, uh, the desire to be hung as such <laughs> is prolific throughout. I would say white culture. 
because uh, there's know, nothing. Maybe all cultures. All know. cultures, but you know, <laughs> I, I, they're, they're, with the inclusion of the internet. At least Western cultures, at least. There are very <laughs> few whites in the East. There, right? there, if you want to talk about trans, right, but right, right. I, I mean, you know, if, if we're talking about concentration, yeah. we're, you know, we're talking about a lot of people with horrible dental care <laughs> and a desire for a larger cock. All right. Um, um, what was what was your what character did you um, connect with? And sure. So uh, oddly enough, uh, I forget his name, but it was the the floor manager from okay. the telemarketing company. Yeah, I don't know his name, but I think I know who you're talking about. I want to say Nick. Okay. Sounds right. Seems like a Nick. <laughs> yeah. However, uh, I was in telemarketing. Mm-hmm. I did telemarketing. One of my first jobs when I was probably like 17. I so was, the, I so I was going to ask, you, you do te- you Yeah, did I've, done it, I've done it before, okay. yeah. What was the product? Um, I think we were like selling um, not websites but we were connecting with someone that would create a website for their business mm. I don't know if it was real or not but mm. that's what we did Okay. <laughs> so mine was Google Yahoo Bing ads okay. so we would call like plumbers and mm. HVAC guys mm. and uh, other manly men and say, hey, you have a service to provide to people, and they're searching it in greater numbers than ever. Wouldn't you like to be at the top of those search results, Mm -hmm. whether or not it says advertisement next to your name? Most people don't even read that. On a on a mobile screen, you still remember the pitch. Oh, dude, like it's ingrained in my brain. Like I might as well be an Equisabian at this point. Like I I I, I was a, so that's why I say I relate with this guy because mm-hmm. I was a sales manager mm-hmm. at this company mm-hmm. uh, called. I'm probably gonna leap that out <laughs> because I don't want to catch any court cases here in Multnomah County. But my point being is that you know we we would call random people. We would call real estate agents, we would call mortgage brokers, we would call uh, criminal defense attorneys, and that's where I specialized in, because I got this silky voice Mm. over here, and I would say, you know, I would be convincing enough to be like, oh, before you hang up, wouldn't you like to save 15% per client on your marketing costs? And that would, you know, see, but my white voice (laughs) is very deep. (laughs) <laughs> and silky and convincing. I could like see. This is why they wouldn't hire me at the suicide hotline <laughs> because I would flip the script and yeah, probably convince a lot of people to kill themselves. <laughs> but that's besides the point. See, like the do you white, know, the, do white you know who the white voices were. Yes. Did you recognize them instantly, or did it? Did you it took it a up? second for me to. It, so Patton Oswalt mm. as Mr. Blank, mm. or no? Patton Oswalt was. No, he was Mr. Blank, wasn't was, he? Okay, I, I don't remember who Lakeith was. Um, David Cross. David Cross. Making America Great Again, mm-hmm. which is one of the best, <laughs> like, butting up to the pandemic specials ever. <laughs> oh, my God, dude. His, his bit about a Republican senator holding his dying daughter in his arms, like, as a victim of a school shooting. I think, didn't he, didn't he walk the room at some point? In the, like, on... I, I remember watching the special. I remember seeing people walk out. I've never seen anyone walk out on a special before. You know, but David Cross. I think it was. That, I think it, it was that I, one. He, I am such a fan of him. Um, 
well, you know. Yeah, it, well, there you go. He's that, the white voice. Great voice. <laughs> and, you know, people were like, oh, it looks like it's overdubbed. And, like, you know, those kind of shout-outs in yeah. a movie are fun, right? You know, so yeah. it's uh, it's definitely an interesting movie in so far as, like, you know, you have to... That's why I'm a serial watcher. Like, if, if Google didn't exist, I would have to listen a couple of times and be like, that's fucking David Cross. That's mm-hmm. Pat Muswell. Dude, I, I've looked and looked and looked and looked and looked and looked and then I've looked again and then another time I also looked but I couldn't find what Mr. Blank's name was like his real name? Right, what's his real name? Um, I googled it it's on I found it if you, if See, you give I, me a second you might want to cut this out but I, I must be on my Google I know I saw it there are a lot of managed results Amari Hadwood Okay, but I didn't. I didn't do that. <laughs> you know, like when I Google, like Tessa's name doesn't come up for whatever reason. She's not. There are a lot of men before it comes yeah, to. T- you know, actually have why. to look at Ann Moore. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't know why that happens. That's odd. She's a very prominent character. <laughs> yeah, that's weird. But yeah. um, ladies in Hollywood. There you go. Well, Lee, I, I thank you kindly for for sitting here and, and talking. Sorry to bother you with me. <laughs> Thank you for introducing me to this movie. It's it's definitely awesome. I'll have to look at it again. Yeah. Uh, are, are we You'll definitely no? catch stuff that you didn't yes. catch before. Oh yeah, I always do. <laughs> yeah. I always do. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, are are there any other flicks by this director I should look out for? Um, as far as I know, this is the only movie he's done. Right. I don't uh, think that's he's... another thing that I've come across. And so far yeah. as I like, I don't think he's of... like this is. I mean, it took him. I don't know how long. He, it feels like he's been writing this a long time. Sure, and, and so, oftentimes yeah. uh, directors and do that. You know? yeah. uh, there, there are years where something just sits on the shelf and all yeah. of a sudden there's the, the time is right to put yeah. something like this out. And yeah, yeah, I mean, this is definitely like a labor of love situation. Like, he, yeah. he just definitely feels yeah. like it took him a long time to get this done. So, uh, because it's not his main thing, I don't see him releasing any new movies anytime soon. Because, well, like, he's... You know, I, I enjoyed it as a standalone piece as it was. Uh, you know, definitely something to to pirate in the future. <laughs> he's made his money. <laughs> All right, if you're only gonna do one, he's, he's actually releasing an album called uh, "Still This Album." That's, that, that's a after, that's a system of a down na- album. Named after no, they called it. Someone, there's a movie called "Still This Movie," and that was the original. That was the original where that came okay. from, from. Like the. I want to say the 70s movie. Okay. It's called Steal This Movie. But Steal This Album is most certainly album. System of a Down's follow-up album to Toxicity. What year did it come out? Because uh, the cool was 1998. You're, you're really pressing me here, but I want to say it was past that. Okay, so the cool was 1998. That album came out. So okay. Okay. It's before that. All right. Well. So there you go. <laughs> Uh, Lee, tell me something. Uh, where is the next time we can see you perform other than here at the Annex? We're at the cruise room, by the way. <laughs> I didn't mention that. I don't think to start. To start. Um, Although I might have. I don't know. I had a few beers on the way here. <laughs> um, I did I am, say that? <laughs> did you say uh, uh, On January 25th, I think mm. that's probably like the next thing. By the time okay. this comes out. Certainly. Um, I'm doing a show at Helium. Okay. Uh, it's called the Transplant Show, which is just people that are from outside of Portland that moved here. And it must have obviously yeah. looked over me because I moved here from South Florida. And <laughs> I, I, didn't, maybe, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't get the invite. Maybe on the next one. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. So I'll, I'll be at Helium on the twenty fifth. But they, they, thank you so much. <laughs> I appreciate you. And 
I look forward to hearing you here at the uh, Cruiser right, cool. Manics. Do you have a, a tagline? I don't have a tagline. Oh, man. No. You got to think of one of those. You know, you're the second person to tell me that. <laughs> a, a, a dear, dear friend of mine and my family's growing up, Jeff Young, he was a uh, keyboardist for Jackson Brown among a number of other huge hits throughout the 80s and 90s going on tour. And we were playing pool at the Rialto Pool Room in downtown Portland here. And he looks up at me, he goes, you, you have a tagline? I go, no. He's like, you won't make it until you have a tagline. <laughs> so th- th- this is now the second time go. I've I got to get a tagline together. You've heard it first here, Science Factual. Um, I'm going to get it together in 2022. So thank you kindly. Thank you. All right. Always a great time to chat with Lee. Uh, stick around here for the set that he did right after that interview at the Cruise Room. Super funny. So here's Lee H. Tillman's full set at the Cruise Room Annex. Check it out. You guys are so fun. We're going to have a fun night tonight. Uh, the first comic coming up to the stage. You can see him at Helium on January 25th. I believe he's also been crushing it in the Portland comedy scene. I'm super pumped he's here tonight. And not only is he very funny, but he's also a really kind human being. Please give it up for Lee H. Tillman, everybody! talks to you. I don't like it. But I'm still gonna give it five stars. I'm really excited to be here tonight though. Um, I've been waiting all week for this show to be canceled. It didn't happen, so here we are. Some people have told me that they can't tell how old I am by looking at me. Um, so I'm just going to tell everyone uh, what my age is. Um, I care about climate change, but I don't really have to. <laughs> Sometimes I do forget how old I'm getting, though. Um, the other day, I skateboarded to CVS to pick up my blood pressure medication. (laughs) That sounds like a joke, doesn't it? That's just a thing that happened. Here's the upside to school shootings. It's always topical. There's probably one happening right now. 8 a.m. somewhere. (laughs) It's just going to get darker from here. Uh, I um, I recently got uh, my booster shot, and the only the only side effect I had was that my arm was like really kind of 
numb, and it wasn't a big deal, except for um, at my job, I work with stroke victims, and they all thought I was making fun of them. I was. But they can take a joke. I mean, I could see them smile. It was more of a half smile. Um, I don't know if you guys have any New Year's resolutions, but they say if you want to keep your New Year's resolutions, you have to start like within the first week, like start immediately. So uh, happy Insurrection Day, everybody. <laughs> we did it. Blessed be the fruit. Blessed be the fruit. That's a new joke. I waited all year to tell that joke. <laughs> Um, I, don't, I don't drink before I go on stage. Because if I come up here and this doesn't go well, I don't want to be able to blame it on anything other than my parents. <laughs> my dad thinks the LOL stands for lots of love. The other day he texted me, son, I'm very proud of you. I'm originally from Tyler, Texas. Uh, Tyler's a great place to grow up if you're racist. Uh, they recently renamed the high school where I'm from. Uh, it was originally called Robert E. Lee High School. And they recently changed it to Nigger Go Home. Can you imagine learning about the Civil War at Robert E. Lee High School. <laughs> Actually, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm Can you imagine learning about the War of Northern Aggression at Robert E. Lee High School? A lot of people are upset about the abortion laws in Texas right now, and Honestly, I don't think it's a big deal. Because if you live in Texas, you don't really need an abortion. Because everyone has a gun. If you don't like your kid, you can just say they were trespassing. Which, if you think about it, is what an unwanted pregnancy is. What I love about that joke is you didn't know where I was going with that. You were scared for a minute. Every time I see someone smoking meth at a bus stop, I look away. But it's not out of disgust. It's out of reverence. Because even though that person clearly had somewhere to be, Still took a little time for themselves. It's called self-care, guys.
I don't want this to be all about me. Is there, is there anybody that's willing to talk to me for a second? Anybody? Nobody wants to? Sure. Just... All right, back there. All right, let me, let me ask you uh, just a couple questions. Um, um, if you could be any animal, um, whether it's alive now, prehistoric, real, imaginary, whatever, if you could be any animal, do you think it would be delicious? <laughs> Definitely. So not a vegan, not a vegetarian. Okay, cool. Um, <laughs> would you rather have the ability to see through walls with x-ray vision, or would you rather give black people reparations? <laughs> X-ray vision? I heard X-ray vision. That's what I heard. She said reparations. Um, I just started a plant-based diet. I'm up to three edibles a day. Actually, that's not true. Actually, don't smoke weed at all. Um, because I can't imagine being more relaxed than this right now. <laughs> Some people ask me, like, how do I stay so relaxed? And the answer is that um, I, I'm really, it's really hard for me to get, I'm really bad at being aggressive. I guess that's what it is. Bad at being aggressive. One time my girlfriend asked me to choke her and I killed her. I'm not sure where you thought that joke was going. I told you. I'm very bad at being aggressive. One, um, I, uh, as, as a kid, I spent time in a homeless shelter, me and my family. And I always thought that would be the worst place that I would ever live. But then when I was 22, moved to Florida. <laughs> really put things in perspective. Some of you sound like you've never been to Florida. Don't do it. Uh, you guys are gonna have to forgive me sometimes. I, uh, I have to look at my notes when I'm on stage. It's just really hard to remember what was funny about my childhood. I'm dating for this next joke. <laughs> and I love, I love black women. Um, it's almost like an addiction. Like, I'm in love with like every black woman in Portland right now. So I'm in love with three and a half women currently. It's very emotional. Actually, I've never, I've never dated a white woman and it has nothing to do with race. Uh, I just don't want to meet her parents. Because no matter who her father voted for, he's going to want to talk about it. <laughs> Guys, um, if, I, 
If I die on this stage tonight, I want you guys to do me a favor. Tell my mom that I died doing what I loved. Which is talking to anyone other than her. <laughs> my name is Lee A. Schumann, you guys have a Heckin' killed that set. If you get a chance to see him live, it's more than worth checking it out. Uh, that show at Cruise Room was hosted by Rochelle Cochran, who I got to hear for the first time that night. She also brought down the house, and I'm looking forward to having her here on Science Factual. Who knows what we'll talk about. Alright, you've been very patient, and it looks like you've paid your initiation fee to join worry-free. Thank you for transferring your life savings to us. You won't regret it. Just like you won't regret hearing this water cooler fact. When the time of the aforementioned Coup album came out, Sorry to Bother You, uh, which is the same title as the film, Riley was apparently going to play Cassius Green. Uh, later on, Donald Glover was cast as Green, but he had to bow out due to scheduling conflicts with Solo, the Han Solo story, uh, the Star Wars vehicle. He did, however, recommend who would eventually play the role, Lakeith Stanfield, whom he had worked with on Atlanta, which is another great show. And Lakeith's character is super funny in there as well. It's at this point I'd like to acknowledge a correction from last week's interview with Kelly Irwin. IMDb, you did in fact have some things correct that Donald Glover was involved at one point with the project, sorry to bother you, but to show him as the main image when searching the film in your site is a bit misleading, especially when Lakeith Stanfield's the lead. So, meeting you halfway, I guess? Uh, we'll see. I don't know. Ooh, am I looking forward to a nice, easy sci-fi movie without any major head trips or mind-bending plot twists? Oh, wait, I forgot. Next week, I'm meeting up with the one and only Ben Harkins. He's first and foremost an artist with an affinity for Garfield, and it's always Mondays for him, unless we're meeting on Fridays, which we happened to do at the Funhouse Lounge in Southeast Portland before the midnight mic there that was hosted by Noah Watson. We met up in between shows to talk about Johnny Mnemonic, the 1995 cyberpunk classic, so be sure to tune in next week to check that one out. It is a humdinger. Ben has a show there on the 21st of January, so stay tuned next week to learn more about that. As always, I'd like to acknowledge my sources for today's episode. That would be tvtropes.com, npr.com, imdb, and vox.com. And of course, my wife and research partner, Amanda. We watched this movie together, and she thought it was a head trip, too. Thanks for tuning in. Check out this show's catalog on Mixcloud, as well as on Spotify by searching for Science Factual. But otherwise, you can always catch a brand spanking new episode airing next and every Tuesday from 8 to 9 a.m. only on Shady Pines Radio. Hey, young blood, let me give you a tip. Use your white voice. Man, I ain't got no white voice. Oh, come on, you know what I mean. You have a white voice in there, you can use it. It's like when you pulled over by the police. 
oh, no, I just use my regular voice when that happens. I just say, back the fuck up off the car and don't nobody get hurt. All right, man, I'm just trying to give you some game. You want to make some money here? Then read the script with a white voice. People say I talk with a white voice anyway, so why ain't it helping me out? Well, you don't talk white enough. I'm not talking about Will Smith's wife. I'm talking about the real deal. Like this young blood. Hey, Mr. Kramer, this is Langston from Regal View. I didn't catch you at the wrong time, did I? 